Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sunderland, oh, the tears of sorrow you're going to experience tonight. Dripping down your face, into your mouth, drowning you in sorrow. I can only imagine. There's a free one and in it goes. Ballard's header prodded over the line by Luke O'Neill. Julius Chair to inspire Queen's Park Rangers. And Patterson stretches out to save. Here's Clark finding room, finding the net. Neil now escapes and finds Clark. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? That's fucking delightful. Fucking delightful. Fucking good combination playing. Sliding balls into space. Good. Excellent. The other one the fucking ball. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rooter Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav. Back after Sunderland's epic 3-0 away winner, Queen's Park Rangers at Loftus Road. Uh, we're probably going to talk a lot about that and a little about the game at the weekend. Uh, joining me for the first time in a little while is Martin. Hiya, mate. Good morning, Gav. Oh, very good morning. How good was that? <laughs> <laughs> we've um, we've uh, we've outdone ourselves, I think. It was just it was a proper epic away performance from Sunderland at Loftus Road and we uh, we sit here three points better off. I think we're fifth in the table, uh, thanks to a late Burnley equaliser, which notched us up another place. And uh, it's all looking rosy in the garden, isn't it? It is. It's um, it's pleasing, isn't it, to kind of see us go to QPR and sort of deal with the challenge that we had to deal with. Because I think over the past three league games, we've had three very different types of challenges thrown at us. We've had sort of Millwall's um, physicality. We've had Reading's park the bus tactics, and we had a different type of game last night. And um, we've dealt with each of them really, really well. And as as a young team, it's really pleasing to see like just how, from a mental point of view as well as a footballing point of view, we've we've adapted to each one and you know taken on those those conditions. So no, a very good, um, a very good weight performance. Oh, I mean, I, I love this team. I love talking about them. I love watching them. I just love everything about them. I love their approach to football. I love the manager's approach to football. I love just everything about this team. The the goals, the way we the way we move the ball, our fearless 
approach to just attacking anybody regardless of who they are. Um, I mean, the tactics yesterday were just outstanding. I felt, I felt, you know, we we got them absolutely bang on. The subs made a difference. It just this is as positive as I've felt. I mean, I'm really positive most of the time about Sunderland, anyways. But this is as positive I've been in a long, long, long time, and it's been a really good season so far. But like, I don't know what I felt like we we achieve a QPR, but I didn't think it would be a 3-0 win. I didn't think it would be in this manner. I actually felt it would be really tight. I thought we'd we'd maybe struggle to break them down, regardless of the fact they were in poor form going into it. I just thought it was going to be tough. And it was for periods, but we just killed them off. Like, in all of the concerns, well, I say all of them, most of the concerns that fans have had leaving, leading sort of away from the transfer window and into this little period has been around lack of strikers. Where are the goals going to come from without Ross Stewart? And we haven't missed a beat. We just, you know, we get on with it. I think Mowbray said after the game, didn't he, about the tactics. He said there, he felt that whilst their two centre-halves were very good players, that they weren't particularly mobile. And the way to approach them and maybe get the better of them was to play with two wide forwards, which is something that nobody would have seen coming. And it worked because Jack Clark scored twice. Gelhart played really, really well. Uh, particularly in the second half. First half, I wasn't so sold on him, but second half, brilliant. Um, and yeah, just a, a brilliant team performance. I think there's a few bits to unpick there, isn't there? So like, in terms of expectation of, of results, obviously we do the, um, the the article on the website before every game where we, we try to predict the scoreline and I'm notoriously bad at doing that. But, <laughs> um, so, so for what it's worth, I, I did think we'd, we'd win relatively comfortably. I'd, I'd gone for a 2-0 win, which... Thanks to Jack Clark, I kind of lost out on some much-needed points to lift me off the top of the table there, but I'm not going to complain too much. But I, I was really confident going into the game yesterday because I just thought we've got so much about us at the minute. And we've got... I just... I, I Look, you might might be getting carried away a bit, which after after a good 3-0 away win, I'm kind of allowed to a bit. But I reckon our forward players would give any team in this country trouble. That's how good I think we are going forward. I think mm. Patrick Roberts, Ahmad, you know, we had um, Jack Clark play really well last night, get a couple of goals. Gelhart, you see, a second half, but, you know, did so much work off the ball. Should have scored one or two, but I thought his all-round performance showed a lot of promise. I think we'll see him getting better and better. And I think we, we've just got so much going forward that, you know, it frightens teams to commit too many of their players forward because they know they're going to get caught in the break. If they give us an inch, we've got the players to actually punish them on, on the break, which we haven't had for, for quite a while. And like mm. this, this is a completely different Sunderland side to one I've ever seen since I started going to matches in 1986. Right. And I, I've never seen a side play as good football as this, who've got such a threat. And look, there's, there's areas we can improve. Of course there is. We're not, top of the table on 100 points already like there's there's areas of improvement but that's that's the exciting thing though isn't that's it? the Sorry exciting thing exactly but that's the exciting thing that this isn't this team at its best it, th- no. there is so much more room for this to get better and like that's what we're at, seeing we're constantly getting better no that's it like if you look at Jack Clark right Jack Clark just turned 22 in November he's already playing for Sunderland he's already doubled the, the number of games he's played in his career right in yeah. less than a year He's already doubled the number of games. He's he's quadrupled the number of goals he's scored in his career. 
So you've, that's just one example of a player who, you know, you, you might think he's a relatively established name, but he's he's a kid and he's got hmm. you know, 20 games under his belt before he came to Sunderland, or 30 games. And like, there's just so much potential. You go like, Mishu, he'd never, like Tony Mowbray had said he'd never played three games in a week before, before last week, right? Yeah. Coming brand new in the championship. You've got Ahmad, who's, you know, barely played a great deal of first team football and um, before this this season with us you got you know Bennett who's you know he's got so much potential but he he's barely kicked the ball really in professional football you've got Equar coming on last night as what third third professional game and like, as you say that like that to me like I, I love watching us play at the minute I think we're so enjoyable to watch but you know you've got 20 year olds 21 year olds 22 year olds who are at the very start of their career and on the day they're ripping it up in the championship. Yeah. Like, how good could they get? Well, John Ridley on Twitter has asked us who wins Young Player of the Year. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? For the I first time that ever, road, that's, that's, oh, gee, dear me, how many options have we got there? I think, you know, you've, you've just said it there, like about the, the, the players we've got coming through and, and the, the ones who were already really established as first teamers here, but the, the, they're only at the start of their journey. That's, that's the exciting thing for me is that, you know, some of these lads have got another three or four years of massive improvement, really, oh. before they then become sort of, you know, um, at the peak of their powers, maybe even more than that with some lads. And the the fact that we're willing to give them the opportunity to play at this level means that we are such an attractive proposition down the line as well for other players. But right, right now, just to watch us... Oh, I, you said it there. I think I've said it before. It's the best football I've ever seen Sunderland play ever. On Just, a consistent basis, absolutely. Oh, I mean, I, I know we, we. Everyone thinks back to the the team under Reedy and stuff, but it's a different time, and we didn't play. We didn't play like this. It just wasn't the style of the of the era, you know. At the time, it was four four two, big lad and little lad, and the football was excellent and exciting, and we scored loads of goals and we were brilliant, and we achieved a hell of a lot more than this team has to this point with that team. So it's not to do down that team. I just think, you know, as a as a spectacle, we are. I mean, anybody would want to pay money to watch Sunderland, and it's nice seeing so many neutrals now who go along to the games. I mean, I saw a kid on uh, on YouTube and I. I can't remember his name, so sorry, whoever you are. <laughs> but he did tag us on 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 Twitter, and um, he wasn't a Sunderland fan; he was just a journalist attending the game. And um, I mean, some of the stuff he had to say about us was just, you know, absolutely blown away by us, by the fans, by everything. And that's what it is at the minute. It's the positivity is so infectious, isn't it? And, and oh, it, it snowballs, you know. At the minute, it's impossible not to be positive about Sunderland. And when you look around the league, really, there isn't many other teams with that sort of momentum. That's why I'm so excited about this team is because, you know, it's going to take something a bit mad for us to to be stopped. And, um, you know, yes, it's a worry that we don't have Ross Stewart, we don't have Corey Evans and players like that, but we have enough quality to get by and, and get on with it. I mean, look at Luke O'Neill, you know, probably man of the match last night. Um, nobody's expecting him to to run games from central midfield in the championship but in the right situation I think I said this when I was talking to Chris and Phil uh, last week in the right situation he is a a really effective player in that position because sometimes you just need somebody who's going to win you the ball press harry them and distribute it quickly and and importantly distribute it forward you know 
we don't want a crab in midfield who passes it sideways and backwards. He's trying to get it forward. And that's a big mantra of Tony Mowbray. And even when we were under pressure at times in the game and, and maybe we weren't passing the ball around as effectively as we have done, I, th- I still feel like the, you know, it's it's drilled into them now as a team to when you've got the ball, just get the ball to the, the attacking players who can do the thing. And it's such a simple but effective strategy and it works because you, you said it before, you know, you look at some of these players, they're, they're playing at a standard where not many teams in the country could live with them. I think like Luke O'Neill's performance last night was was excellent, and you know he's there's this whole narrative, isn't it, that oh Luke O'Neill can't play in midfield because he had a bad forty five minutes against Charlton four years ago, and like but yeah when he was a when he was a kid who just come out of League Two playing for Wickham by the way who you know we know all about Wickham and like look we we all we've all seen Luke O'Neill play all over the shop and like it, it you know it bewilders me some of the negativity he 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 attracts but he's he's probably played. What twenty games in midfield for us? If if that over the course of four and a half, five, almost five seasons, yeah, with, with worse night, players under worse managers as well. That's the other thing you don't you've got to remember. Last night he was absolutely superb, and mm-hmm. you know without um, Corey Evans in the team, we do miss that a little bit more sort of defensive um, strength, I guess. Um, Dan Neal and Misha have done really really well in the centre midfield, but they don't have that physicality that O nine brings and like he, he is a leader he'll get in people's you know faces talk to people through the game and what I thought was really impressive last night was when he was dropping into almost the centre of defence and Ballard and Bath were, were splitting a bit to enable mm. us to push Hume and Elise up the field and that sort of variation caused QPR a bit of problem we were able to move them around because he was doing that and we had that flexibility to go up the up the wing because we um, always had Barr and Roberts kind of playing notionally as wingers, but Barr certainly doesn't hug the touchline. He comes inside, Roberts comes inside, so it creates a, the room for, for you and Elise to get down the flanks. But one thing that's really impressed, or two things that have really impressed me about 09 this season, and again, this this narrative I can't play in midfield overlooks the fact that players improve, and you know we've got evidence in front of our eyes all over the pitch that players are improving this season with, with games and all that sort of stuff. But against QPR... And when he came on against Fulham at home in the FA Cup, and when he came on on Saturday against Redden, his passing's been superb. He's been pinging long, long-range passes, passes around the pitch. And that's a, a part of 09's game that hasn't always been the best, is, is passing. I always think he's a better reactive player than proactive player. But his passing over the last three games he's had has been absolutely spot on. And Tony Mowbray will only take that midfield place off him. He'll, he'll have a fight on to take it off him for Saturday because yeah. he had such a good game. That he's made a, a difficult decision for Tony Mowbray, and like that's that's the sort of deci- decisions that Mowbray wants, isn't it? Yeah, I think I said to Chris the other day. You know, we will see O nine back in the team at some point soon because oh. people are looking at it and going, "Well, where's he going to fit in?" And he was, and I didn't expect him to come back in as quickly as this, maybe. But he, he that's what I love about him. He's just he, he's so determined to prove himself constantly, and that comes from a place probably you know as, as a. I think he was either 16 or 18 when he was released by Watford and then had to drop into non-league. Like that that that's probably gave him a good grounding and he's he's always fighting to prove himself and you need players like that. And and Luke O'Neill has always been doubted. It doesn't matter certainly you know I, I I think there's a portion of the fans who are never going to have him as a player as a as a person yes as a player they won't. 
Um, and that's not always a bad thing because he's always got something to prove to these people. And there we go again. I mean, it, I don't take um, much mind of things that get said on social media, but before the game, there were people who couldn't believe he was playing centre mid. <laughs> and it was nice that he was able to rub that in the faces of those people with that performance. I mean, he's just a, a brilliant, brilliant example to the rest of the team. You need Luke O'Neill. And it, it wasn't just his performance, mind. Some of the stuff off the pitch was great too. You know, even the, if you look at the penalty, I think he lay on the ground for about two or three minutes <laughs> just to, to slow things down. Yeah. And they missed the penalty. And I'm not saying it was down to that, but it does make, it makes a difference when you, you're, you're the man holding the ball ready to take the penalty and you can't because, you know, you've got that time to wait and things are playing through your mind. Where do I put it? What do I do with the ball? You know, where shall I place it on the grass? He's got a lot more to think about when he's got time on his hands and an 0-9 contribute towards that. Um, yeah, just, I love him. I, I, I'm, I'm full of love today, sorry, <laughs> but um, look on look on I and he's, he's great. Valentine's, and, day after Valentine's oh, Day, there you go. Well, oh, God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's I, I, I could just sit and talk about each one of them. I'm, I'm so happy at the minute I could go through the, the full team like this and, and just talk about how much I love each one of them. But, O nine in particular, like you know, what a guy! Like O nine is is a, I think he's a brilliant example of um, of somebody who has worked so so hard to improve himself as a as a football player, and he is such a good example for like the youngins coming through. And you know, in a, in a young side like we have, he's one of the more experienced players, isn't he? Like he's probably the, what second or third oldest player in the in the team. Yeah, other than Danny Bart, yeah, yesterday he I was saying, is, yeah. You know, the second oldest player in the in the squad. So for for the youngins to see him out in the training field, for you know practicing on, on you know, practicing his weaknesses, training hard to you know to develop those weaknesses, and it's also that mental side. Like there was a, an article on I think it was on Sky Sports website, wasn't it? It was the last week of the week before. Yeah, where all nine was talking about the mental side of football and the mental side of life, really, and how much of it is you know in in people's heads and. How much football is actually played in your head as opposed to the, the talent that you've got in your feet, and for for him to be around the squad, and you know influencing the squad, you know we saw him with with Chris Rigg after the Shrewsbury game when Rigg made his debut, like Rigg was really looking up to him and loving him because oh nine had made him feel you know, special and all that sort of looked after him, and you can see it in all the videos that the club put out on those all access videos, oh nine's in it, he's in the thick of it, and I think you know yes he's got a really important role to play in in the team. And he has because he can play in any position apart from, well, he probably could play a goalkeeper, but he could play in any position on the field and you'd ha- happily have him there. But mm. you can't underestimate how important he is around the squad and around the team. Like, long may it continue. Yes, long may it continue. Um, we should probably talk about the game in a little bit more detail instead of uh, just uh, loving everything. Um, the, the, <laughs> the game then. The first goal, we might as well go cast. straight to that. Yeah, the love cast. Uh, the first goal then, which came from Luke 9 of course. Um, scrappy, probably a little bit of good fortune, but the the build-up to the corner, which we eventually scored from, was lush. Like, Abdullah Bar played this little flick between him. I think it was him and Patrick Roberts. And uh, we won a corner from it. Fantastic. We then take the corner... And um, the hero of this fixture, the last time we played, which was their goalkeeper, who scored, obviously, the header <laughs> at the Stadium Light earlier in the season, um, was the villain on this occasion. He fluffed it, dropped the ball. Um, I think it was Elise who got it away from him, and then Luke O'Neill bundles yeah. it in. 
he claims a foul. There's no foul yeah, at all. Terrible handling. And we get the goal. Was it deserved? I I think it was uh, it was one of those opening sort of stages where, you know, for the first 20 minutes, I thought they probably had a little bit better of the game, I think, from a territorial mm-hmm. point of view. The, and it's it's understandable. And I think, you know, you've got a team like that who haven't won for a while. They're at home, a nighttime game. The manager will have got them revved up. Will Ferrell's in the crowd for some <laughs> unknown reason. And, and what was that about, by the way? Let's not skip past that. Yeah. that <laughs> random. And and Strange. and he was doing videos on their social media channel about yeah. us and stuff. It was a bit of, bit of light-hearted banter, I guess. Yeah, but uh, he's, at least he got to say son and win. <laughs> um, but in any in any game, at any level, you're going to have to you know face a little bit of pressure from the opposition. You're going to have to assert yourself. You're going to have to win the right to, to play football. And, you know, that doesn't come easily. That doesn't come as a sort of given right in any game, regardless of where the, the opposition are in, in the table or what form they're in. So we were always going to face that pressure. And the way that we handled it was really, really good. We didn't give them any chances of, of any note. We restricted them. We defended well. We got tackles in. I think we were a little bit sloppy in possession for for spells in that opening sort of 20, 30 minutes. Um, but, you know, QPR had obviously come out with that intent to try to get out, was get an early goal. It didn't happen. And they've exerted a lot of energy into that opening spell. And all of a sudden, the game sort of just settles down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we start, you know, having a little bit more room to play football, having a little bit more room to break into. And really that move that led to the corner... That was one of the first spells that we actually strung five, six, seven passes together in in the attacking third, where we could actually try to to hurt them. I think Gel, Gel was Gelhard's chance before that. Uh, yes, been, it was. It? Yeah, yeah. So I think we'd had that warning sign for them where Gelhard had broken through from Trey Hume's ball over the top and got in behind Jimmy Dunn. I think it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And he probably should have scored. I think to be to be honest, he, he took yeah. his. Yeah. He kind of took it with his wrong foot to try to to try to make it certain in the it's, end. It's of, hard when you're trying to make an impression, though, isn't it, yeah. on a new team and stuff? Like he's he's not going to be f- fluid yet, so well, he, you know, you sort you can sort of excuse that. But also, he's he's another like to me. He's like when Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts came in last season. They haven't played yeah, a great yeah. deal of football. Haven't had a run of games. He's been chucked in unexpectedly to to fill a, a huge void left by Ross Stewart. So there's enormous amount of pressure and expectation on him. And, you know, I thought he, as you say, we said earlier, he grew into the game in the second half. He played really, really well. And he, he'll get, I, I reckon he'll get a goal on Saturday. He's, it, it's coming for him. But mm-hmm. um, now, it was a, I think we, it was one of those goals where on the balance of play, you can't say that we deserve to be ahead. We were coming into the game. But when you get the chance, we take it. And it gives us a nice little platform to then play because it changes the dynamic of the game completely, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um and then from there they got a penalty, which was um yeah, it was a penalty. I'd really say I don't know what he, he's really doing there. Hands above his head, ball hits it, nailed on penalty. And uh, like I said before, Luke O'Nine's contribution was to lie down and pretend he was injured for a long time, which I think definitely helped. And uh, their best player who who is uh, Elias Chair steps up to take it and he hits it really well. But the save from Patterson is outrageous. Like I don't know. I, I love I love that when a goalkeeper like goes, but still manages to save it, even though the ball's yeah. going a different direction. And obviously, he, it, it hits his foot perfect. It's, it's almost like a, a scissor kick, isn't it? Sort of volleys it towards the, the touchline. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it was great to see him showing a little bit of emotion too, because he's not the most expressive goalkeeper. Which 
I, I, I actually thought might be a problem for a long time. I've, I've spoken about Patson and talked about how, you know, with him, he he could do with being a bit more of a presence and a character and stuff. Um, and, and I don't know if you saw the interview that um, David Priest did with Not The Top 20 this week. Obviously, David Priest worked a lot with Patson last season in particular. And, you know, he, he was talking about how, you know, nothing phases him. And I've heard Mowbray say this as well, like nothing phases Patson because... He's not the face of him. He's not like a Jordan Pickford who, who you know, go mental and run up the play like he did in the Anfield, yeah, the, the the Merseyside derby at the weekend. You know, run up the players when they're getting beaten stuff, and you think, what are you doing? You know, and uh, but sometimes that can be to Pickford's detriment. Uh, Patson just you know gets on with it. Doesn't really you know make any noise whatsoever. And it was nice to see him showing a little bit of emotion and and expressing himself because, like I say, it's, it's part of part of him we don't often see. But it was a great save, wasn't it? Oh, it was a cracking save. It's um, very instinctive, wasn't he? Kind of gone, gone to his left and instinctively chucked his boot up and got a really good connection to the ball that, um, you know, as you say, was was well struck. But it's interesting with um, about you know the, the personality, I guess, of goalkeepers, isn't it? Because you you, you want somebody in goal who's level headed and you know relatively consistent. And you know, if you scroll through, you know, obviously when we're doing the articles on the website, you can scroll through all of the images that, that come up and. There's always images of Patterson celebrating our goals. You know, he, he kind of shows emotion a lot in, in that respect, but not when he's, not normally when he's directly involved. So, yeah, it was it was nice to, to see that. But if you look back in like, over the last, well, a couple of decades, I guess, of, of goalkeepers, like, people like David Seaman, they weren't very, like, outwardly emotional goalkeepers. They weren't ranting and raving. Schmeichel was a ranter and raver. So you've got all sorts of different. Yeah. Like Peter Shilton wasn't a, a ranter and raver; he was a calm, calm presence in goal. Craig Gordon wasn't a, a ranter and raver for us, was he? So you've got different cat types of, of keepers, and it's um, hey, look, as long as you keep the ball out of the net and <laughs> make some good saves, it's um, it doesn't really matter, does it? But I, Patterson last night, I thought that was his best game for us. I thought yes, he, the penalty yes. save always gets highlights, right? But he came out and claimed the ball in the box. He yeah. came and dealt with crosses. He was punching things. He's got a tough opponent in Chris Martin from a physical point of view when the ball comes in the box. He was just coming and claiming the ball. And again, like I think over the course of the season, you know, you see his development and it's kind of, it's going up. It's going up from left to right. There might be a few little dips in there, but on a on a level, it's gone up so much. And if you think this time last year, he'd just been recalled from, from Notts County. He'd played a couple of games, lost his place again to Hoffman, got back into the team. And where he is now... His improvement, continual steady improvement, has been superb. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was after the Swansea game. I was I was critical of him, and I think it was right to be because I thought he was poor in that game. Mostly about just his command of the area and being a presence. Like and that's, that's where he's all got to improve. Yeah, but like we saw it last night, he can he can do it. He's got the he's got all of the ability to do it. Like that's the thing Correct, with any yeah. young player, isn't it? It's getting that consistency. So mm-hmm. to me, Patterson's somebody you kind of look at. Okay, is he a good shot stopper? Superb. Is he good at claiming crosses? He can be. He doesn't do it consistently enough, but he can be. Does he come out yeah. and command his box? He can do. Is kickings what an area that you'd kind of like to see improvement on now because his, his distribution out from the back isn't as good as it, it could be. But as I say, for a young player, his improvement is is brilliant. And again, you know, over the next few months and a couple of seasons he could turn into an absolute top-class keeper. 
Yeah, and I wonder how much, you know, there's been a murmurs that he's going to make the England under-21 squad this week. Um, and I wonder how much that's factored into it too, because it's been in the newspapers and stuff, so he's probably not used to that sort of attention. But it, it, it it's going to, you know, he's going to feel 10 foot tall, isn't he, for getting that sort well, of attention like, as well. After the, the Fulham game at Craven Cottage, he got a lot of attention on Match of the Day, got plaudits for that performance. And then he had a couple of... If he games, I think Millwall, he had that one where he spilt George Honeyman and got disallowed, but he, he, mm-hmm. you know, it could easily have given away a goal there. And against Fulham at home, he didn't have the, the best games, but clean sheet against Redden, not a great deal to do, but did everything well. Clean sheet yeah. last night against QPR. Again, like QPR only had two shots on goal and one of them was a penalty. So he didn't have a lot to do from a, 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 a shot-saving point of view. But in ter- say in terms of his all-around game, I thought he was superb. Oh yes, very very good. Um, yeah, so we 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 were great. I thought in the second half. I think you know they did have a period where the, where they had you know a spell of possession. I think I think maybe their manager in his post match analysis overegged it a bit. He made them sound like they were totally job, on top. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we were we were the better side. I felt second half we got the second goal, and um, I think you know. The other the other thing before I talk about the second goal, the other thing that was good about that second half was that when we were ahead, we then went to the bench and we had Ahmad, we had Dan Neal, you know, we had we had quality players on the bench for once. Which a couple of weeks ago we did, we had nobody. We had a lot of kids on the bench. This 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 bench was a lot more options, better players, better quality player to bring on. Um, and you know, I think it was the contributions of uh, Dennis Serkin, wasn't it, who came on for Agiolise. In setting up the second goal, yeah, you know which 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 led to that one. And he, you know, again another great option to bring off the bench. Somebody who's a committed player throws himself into it, gets us away. Um, Jack Clark gets to the edge of the box and um, I, poor defending. If I'm honest, I, I was I, I watched the goals back this morning, and the defender actually shows him onto his right foot, which I found yeah. totally bizarre. Um, but Clark shown onto his right foot. Little good little bit of footwork when he looks like he's about to stumble. I think he sort of rolls his foot over the top of the ball, and the finish is like a pass. Actually, he's passed into the bottom corner, but he's already done the hard work, and it was a great move, great goal, really good goal. And it's, it was interesting how that second half played out, wasn't it? Because obviously, if they'd scored that penalty after what ten minutes of the second half, it's a completely different game. But I think that completely knocked the wind out of their sails. Team low in confidence, had a you know a golden opportunity to get back in the game and passed it up. Fans on their back as well, by the way, which was nice. We don't we don't often get to play under them circumstances, but their fans no, weren't happy. Right. But I think after that penalty miss, they lost the heads. Like they they were flying in tackles. Like some of those tackles that were flying in were red cards. Like that that one on Circan that you you mentioned there, horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Pritchard got wiped out when he's on the break. Could easily like if that's a couple of centimeters higher, that's a red card. Dazelle, who was playing centre mid for them, he should Dizelle have been off. Had about for five me. yellow cards in, yeah. in the game. Like they, they were, they just lost it in the last you know thirty minutes. <laughs> they were disgraceful. Like they just, yeah. it was like watching a game from the seventies or something. It was like <laughs> I expected Billy Brevner and Kevin Keegan to start twatting each other. <laughs> like, it was just, it was just nuts. But like it's funny, like they say, Serkin got wiped out. But he played that lovely ball through the clock, and the ref, to be fair, the referee. He played a few good advantages for us when they did foul us because we were on the break and and going um, going towards goal. But Serkin's been something of a super sub, hasn't he? Came on against Millwall, scores the equaliser, comes on last night, sets up mm. the the, um, the second goal. Clark, for a player who hasn't 
necessarily been in the best of form. Like he's been trying a lot of things, but some haven't been coming off. He took that goal beautifully. And yeah. like that'll stand him and us as a consequence in, in really good stead because he is such a good player and he just needs to kind of knit it all together over the next few weeks because such a good finish and he causes teams problems. And I think by that point, it was a really well-deserved second goal. Yeah, on clock, we were, we've been sent a question by at writing privacy on Twitter who asks, uh, have we found Jack Clark's best position as a second striker? For me, his finishing is his best asset. I mean, I wouldn't say he played as a second striker, but like we outlined at the start, Mowbray said he, you know, the, the plan was to play with wide forwards. Yeah, but it, it, it is interesting, up. isn't it? Because yeah. does that get the best out of Gelhart too? You know, it, 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 well, is that his best position? Um, no, I don't think it is. I think um, no. he's far better on the touchline and sort of driving in because he can he can drive down the touchline, drive in towards goal. He can carry the ball with pace, and I think when he's that far forward. He doesn't often have that 20 yards to run into where he can cause teams teams problems. But his finishing is a really good attribute that he has. I think that's his eighth goal of the season for us, um, or his, his second one last night was. And I think if you've got him with that goal scoring out wide, you've got such a goal, you naturally have such a goal threat across the whole of the attacking four or five players. So I think um, I think that worked last night, and I think it was very deliberate um, for last night. I'm not sure whether we'll see that as a regular thing. But look, it, it worked. You, you can't knock it, can you? It worked last night. And as as you say as well, I think Gellhart isn't, he's not a natural striker. He's not like a natural one person up front striker, play on the last man. He likes to come no. deep, plays a almost a number, number sort of 10 role. He kind of, He's almost a bit like Ahmad in, in terms of the positions he takes up and where he drops in to get, get the ball. He kind of occupies the same type of position Zamad does. Um, so look, it, it might be something that we kind of see um, a little bit more, I guess, because it could be, you know, I think Tony Mowbray is quite pragmatic in terms of, you know, what's the best formation to get the best out of these players. He's not, we've seen all season, haven't we? He's not a, you know, 4-3-2-1 or 4-4-2 or 5-3-2 man. He'll play the best formation to get the best out of those players for that particular game. So, if he if he's seen something with with Clark and Gelhart, because we have got a lot of players who can play in midfield now, wise, um, it, it could be something that we see more often. But I don't think it's a permanent thing. No, yeah, I I, I think you you just got bang on there. Mowbray will pick the team based around you know who who we're playing, how we can best exploit their weaknesses, which sounds rudimentary, really. You would think all managers would do that, but they don't. You know, some managers are so set in their ways they'll only play one system and they'll only play well, one that's way. that's right, exactly. And um, he, he, you know, he clearly realised that uh, the the best way to get at them was to get down the sides of those two centre-halves, and it was in the end. But the other thing with that is you've got to have the players who can mentally and tactically adapt to it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and some managers mm-hmm. often play the same formation because they actually don't have confidence that their players will adapt to it. And I think Mowbray, it's, it, was it Mowbray had said, or Nick Barnes had said when I was listening to it, that you know it, it did take us, actually no, it was the Reading game, wasn't it? It was Saturday where it said it took us maybe 20 minutes to really click on to what Mowbray had asked them to, to do. But once it clicked, we were fine. I think it was maybe similar last night where the, it was, the opening yeah. stages, the players mm-hmm. were a little bit unsure of where they should be, the positions they should be taking up. Because like, naturally, They'll, they'll do certain things subconsciously. And yeah. you know, that sort of change in formation requires a bit more thought. But the players, you know, and I guess that's that's probably one of those things with having such a young squad, is that the the thirsty for football knowledge, the thirsty to develop themselves as players, they haven't got a predefined opinion on what they are. 
they just want to be the best footballer they can. So they'll try different things. They'll be more inclined to to try different positions or slight variations of of positions because it'll stand them really in good stead for the future. So it's yeah. probably again, it's probably that sort of perfect storm of things happening in a in a positive way for us. Yeah, and then the third goal, which uh, killed things off again from Jack Clark uh, in injury time. I think by that point, QPR had given up, but um, we still had a job to do, and it was a good little move. We we played some nice stuff down the right hand side. I think it was Equa, who actually I thought was really good when he when he, he came on. He had a really really good game, and that's that's as well as he's played so far. Uh, passed it to Daniel. It was a nice little one two. Got down the right hand side. The movement from Clark is outstanding. The defenders have completely switched off. Too busy ball watching. He he, he commits forward, then drops off five or. 10 yards just to give himself the space. Neil finds him, goes, goes great goal again. Just another lovely, lovely goal. Um, yeah. And uh, that killed the game off as a tie. And yeah, sent the QPR fans home in a fury. And now I was home very, very happy. And uh, another fantastic bit of football from Sunderland. It's quite funny, isn't it? Because Tony Mowbray said after the game that the scoreline might have flattered us a little bit. But I think in the last 20 minutes, you know, we've scored those two goals to make it 3-0. Gelhardt's hit the bar. Ahmad should have scored when he went through. We had another one or two you know, good opportunities to, to hit the target. So, you, you know, you could have been looking at the 5 or 6-0 away win there quite easily. Yeah, we're going to dust somebody like that eventually. Like It, it feels like it's been coming for a while. I know 3-0 away from home is a fantastic scoreline, but I feel like we've got a 4 or 5 nil in us at some point soon. Just once everything clicks and we play the right, opponent who just don't know what to do with us we're going to give someone a proper hiding and it's about clicking for us for 90 minutes as opposed to maybe 60 minutes i did yesterday i think you know yeah. the last last half hours of both halves we were on top and dominant but if you do that for 90 minutes which as i said earlier it's it's very hard to to do but like we're talking like this you know scoring three away from home talking about dusting somebody at some point five or six nil and Ross Stewart's on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just testament to the the attacking threat that that we have. And you know, we we had that that situation, didn't we, where when Stewart got injured just before deadline day, and Chris Martin was available in the free transfer. And you you see him last night, and you just go, "Thank God we didn't sign him." Like, yeah. would you would yeah. you rather be watching him play than than Roberts or Ahmad or or Gelhardt exactly. or Jack? You know, it's just like it's. It's worlds apart. Chris made this point, didn't he, when he when he did the pod with Phil the other day. You know, when we watched Redden and they had Andy Carroll and Shane Long up yeah. front. And you're going, if that's the alternative, why would you want that? Because well, no, we exactly would have to right. totally change the way we play just to fit them in and it wouldn't work. And you're right. Would you I would absolutely no way would I rather watch Chris Martin or Connor Wickham or whoever else was available on a free transfer the other day playing for Sunderland than these lads. And and we have to just sort of get away from, I guess, from this mentality that there's only one way of playing football, and that's to have a striker on the pitch, an out-and-out centre-forward. try again? Oh, there's Siri getting involved in the conversation. <laughs> Didn't understand what I said. Um, you know, I wouldn't rather say that. No, I want to I say, say these young lads doing their best. No, I, I do as well. I think having, having a striker, you, you wouldn't choose to go into a run of, what, 17 rating games that we are doing with just one striker who isn't really a proper striker. Anyway, I think like having a proper striker like we have in Ross Stewart, 
it gives you, you know, it stretches the game a bit more, gives you another option. And yeah. that's not to mention the, the clinical finishing that you get with a proper professional striker, I guess. But we've got enough goals in us to get through this spell in the season. And I think, you know, you, people have been scarred by um, that spell earlier in the season that we had, you know, Ross Stewart out injured, Ellis Sims out injured. And we, we had, what, seven or eight games where we, we might have won one, one game. The thing that people, like, thing that's overlooked in that spell was Ballard was out injured as well, and Lyndon Gooch is playing right back, and yeah. I just think from a defensive point of view, that defense that we've got there, Trey Hume, Dan Ballard, Danny Bath, and Elise or Serkin could easily come into left back. That is as good a back four as I, I you'll get in the championship. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. is as good as you'll get in the championship. Passing behind them. And I just think having that solid base that the, you know the midfield and forwards can rely on to go forward and create more chances, maybe commit another man. You can't underestimate how important that is to getting it right at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And I think in that spell earlier in the season, we were a little bit more fragile at the back. You know, I think we had Bath and nine playing centre half, maybe at least at left back and Gucci at right back. But like Dan Ballard is absolutely superb. And he Premier League, is, he, he is oh, Premier yeah. League, like, but oh, like, he he's like he he could go into any team in the division above, yeah. and he, he wouldn't look out of place. So I think like you can't underestimate that factor when you look at okay, what's going to happen over the next few games? We're not playing with a, a recognised you know target man striker. And yes, that does cause us problems, but we've actually got far more about us in the team than we had in that spell in September and October. You know, you've got the mm-hmm. likes of Michu coming into the side now who hadn't. Kicked the ball in, in football, in, in championship football. Ahmad's and Bar, and Bar, and Ahmad. Bar yeah. as well. Ahmad's got 25 games under his belt now compared to what he had then. So it's a completely different team they're coming into with more mm-hmm. confidence, more attacking flair, more knowledge of how to play the, the system Tony Mowbray wants to play, wants them to play because all of those, those injuries happened in Mowbray's second game in charge. Yeah. So you've had you've yeah. got all these factors that come into it where you go, it's, it's actually it's nothing like what happened in September, bar the headline that Stewart's yeah. out. Everything else yeah. that falls underneath it is a completely different scenario. So we've kind of got, mm-hmm. got to go, you know what? These are the players we've got available. There's goals everywhere in that team. Let's crack on with it. Yeah. As we sort of round off here, I feel uh, I feel like we haven't spoken enough about some of the performances, really, which is, it's tough. We, we've, we, we're we going to end up running out of time. We could talk for hours and hours about this. But yeah, I mean, we've quickly run through the team because it would be unfair not to really. You know, Patson, outstanding Brilliant penalty save, better command of his box. Like you said, best yeah. game he's had for Sunderland. Um, I thought Elise was was absolutely fine, and I like how he's become this sort of outlet for us going forward as well. He's, he's he's sort of left back, come centre forward at times, who just wins us headers <laughs> and knockdowns, and yeah, you know, very different sort of role than he probably envisaged he ever play for Sunderland. But it's making the best of his abilities. You know, the fact he's oh, so yeah. athletic and big and quick. Bath and Ballard, you just mentioned them. Best centre half pairing we've had for years, like brilliant, and nothing gets through them. They just head kick everything away. Yeah. When we've got the ball on the floor, they look very comfortable and they distribute it quickly. A couple of times where I felt we could have got rid of it a little bit quicker last night, but that's being picky. Uh, Trey Hume, he was a shoe in for man the match if it wasn't for Luke O nine for yeah. me, just outstanding. He is. I keep saying best this, best that, but again, best right back we've had in years. Just yeah. a proper right back who gets stuck in. Brilliant he's sliding like, tackle, wasn't it, in the um, first half? Yes, where he, he got the ball away. Won the ball the really cleanly yeah. in the box. Super I mean, I, I can't say enough good about 
Trey Hume, I think one of the guys on Twitter, I saw that Sean asked us for a for a, a bit of a monologue on Trey Hume in the in the manner that I did the other week about um, somebody else. But yes, sorry, mate, not going to get it today. We're running out of time. But Trey Hume, outstanding again. Um, he's made that and position he's pull, his he's own. pulling off that tash as well, which well, takes you, him to You know, he can pull anything off when he plays like that, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, Luke O'Neill, man the match, just proving his doubt as wrong with every game. We've already spoke a lot about him. Uh, thought Pritchard actually had a very, very good game once he settled into the sort of central midfield position. Like quietly Pick, effective, wasn't he? Yeah, picking the ball up deep and just, yeah, some nice balls over the top and stuff. I thought he did really well once he got comfortable. Uh, Barr playing out on the left. I think Danny Collins said on the stream, you know, he's not really sure what his best position is, but that doesn't take away from the fact he played well. He's so so good on the ball, isn't he? He's, he's somebody yeah, who he's, struggles he's, to get into us, but he's, yeah. his touch and his close control is brilliant. And yeah, it's, it's difficult to know where his actual best position is because... He he was sold as a centre midfield player, but he's not he's not a defensive midfield player. He's going to be a, no. maybe more comfortable in the midfield three than a two. But we'll um, we'll see how he does. But he's yeah again really good performance. He's a ball carrier, isn't he? He just gets yeah. the ball, runs at people, moves it quickly. When he looks like he's about to lose possession, he seems to just be able to get this little touch and Got long long legs again. Yeah, long leg and, and wins us a lot of free kicks. So yeah. he. he Again, another player who's still got lots of room. I mean, he's just coming into the team now. Um, out on the right-hand side, we had Patrick Roberts, who has been brilliant for weeks now. And again, really influential, really, really effective in the final third of the pitch and creating things and just committing defenders and making them move a, move out of position when they maybe don't want to and shrugging off lads twice his size. Yeah. Love him. Um, Clark played all right. Generally, I wouldn't say it was his best game for Sunderland, but what I will say about Jack Clark is, is that we saw well, you know, two goals, right? He, even when he doesn't play well as a you know as a whole, you need to leave him on the pitch because he's got goals in him, yes. and he's a great. I, I actually agree with what one of the guys on Twitter said to us. Clark's best asset is his finishing. He's a really really good finisher, and without Rostro, we need players like that on the pitch. So he. he Regardless of how well he played generally, I think you know as a forward p- performance got two goals. You can't complain. And um, yeah, yeah, absolutely you know, not. I think like his, his finishing is a really good attribute. I think the way he carries the ball at pace up the field is another of his strengths. And I think him with with space to run into and not much time to think about it, he's he's great. It's, it's he, he's frustrating when he gets the ball and he tries to, he cuts back and he'll go back again, go back again. Yeah. And you know that is frustrating. That, that you know that comes with with experience, knowing when to release it and when to to hold on to it. But again, like in terms of raw attributes, he's got pace. He can finish. He can drive forward with the ball. He can cross the ball. He can put a good free kick in. Like he's he's got so much going for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had obviously Gelhart, who I think first half it was a frustrating one for him because he was trying his best to just. Get a goal, I think. Second half, though, he, someone had obviously had a word with him and just told him to concentrate on his job. I thought his closing down was brilliant. He, oh, um, superb, wasn't he? Pressed the hell out of them, made, made, forced him into so many errors. Um, really unlucky not to score. I think, you know, he probably say he should have scored that one in the first half. Then hits the bar in the second half, which was, a, I actually thought he'd done, considering that's his wrong foot, yeah. um, got a nice little flick on it, really unlucky. And I agree with what you said before, he's going to score soon. Um, you know, he's he's not a million miles away, is he, from from what we really expect from him at the minute. You know, Gelhart's gonna 
like you, I think you made a good point before there, Martin. Patrick Robertson Clark this time last year coming into the club a little bit cold. He's going to take time to warm up, but once he does, you can see he's got the talent. He's, no. he's got it. Um, right. And then the the lads off the bench, yeah, Ahmad just being himself and running at people and causing mayhem. And I think Mowbray said that you know he's got this cockiness about him, but it's it's like a measured cockiness. Like he doesn't do things for the sake of it. He does things because he can do it, and it's the right time yeah. to do it. Um, it's quite hard to explain, but when you watch him, you know what he means by that. Uh, Dennis Serkin, obviously really involved in one of the goals, came on and gave us something. Just I, I felt that what they brought on KK at right back. And he was getting at us a little bit too easily down that right hand side, our left hand yeah. side. And Elise and Clark didn't really know what to do with him. Certain coming on showed us up a bit, and it really it was effective. You know, he stopped the crosses into the box. Um, Dan Neal obviously came on and um, no, and Dan got Neal an was excellent when he came on. Yeah. by the way, yeah, yeah. Super. And and, and it, I don't think there was the right. Sorry, I don't think it was the wrong call to drop him or or Ahmad. By the way, I think you know you've got to be able to manage the minutes. You don't want to burn them out. Sometimes you know that we have to rotate the squad a bit, and when we're playing three games a week. You've just got to do it. Um, and Pierre Equa, who I said before, brilliant when he came on, I thought, um, was involved in the final goal by uh, some nice little player between him and, and Dan Neal. And I, I, just, I wish I could sit here for another hour talking about how much I love this team and how great they played. And <laughs> but I tell you what as well, Gav, I, I think the other person to talk about briefly is Tony Mowbray. Because yes, like, yes. last night he, he made changes to the side. He left um, Mishu back at home, didn't even travel with the squad, just give him a rest. Um, obviously brought in um, Pritchard into centre midfield, changed the formation to to try to play against the um, the two centre-halves of, of QPR and made some really effective substitutions as well. And I think like he's he's really, really surprised me, Tony Mowbray, as a, as a manager. And I think he's a perfect person to have in charge of the club right now from a looking after the, the players' point of view, from developing... The, the younger players, but also just letting them go out and play attractive attacking football. And that that's not down to the the squad that we've got necessarily. It, it is Tony Mowbray. Like I remember when he was West Brom manager and we were going for promotion against West Brom and they, they had this philosophy of just going out, attacking, playing nice football. Come what may, this is the, the way we're going to play. And you can argue against it sometimes where you have to be a little bit more pragmatic. But I think that attitude for this group of players right now is absolutely spot on. I think if you compare the performance that we're seeing now to what we st- saw at the start of the season under Alex Neal, like we started the season well under Alex Neal, but we we had a a more defensive, pragmatic approach to how we, we went into games. It was kind of not getting beat, trying to get teams on the break. And now Mowbray, over you know, over not not much much time really, we had the whole World Cup break as well, don't forget. He's developed this team into a team that's fearless to go out and play the football Away at Fulham, away at QPR, away at Millwall, we'll just take it on. And I think, you know, we can talk every, all, all day about the players, and we, we have done, but like Mowbray has done such a good job. And I was looking before, like, you know, at the start of the season, we were, like, I'm, I'm still happy if if we still, I'll be quite content this season. Obviously, that's looking like a, a given. I think we're, we're basically two points off that now, aren't we? Two points off safety. So, like, you know, yeah. after, after Saturday, hopefully, we'll be able to relax a little bit. <laughs> I, I'd kind of predicted 10th for this season. I thought, you know, that's we've got a good side, we're improving. I thought 10th would be about where we'd finish. And look, we, we might still finish around that position. But I had a look earlier and bef- from the Burnley game. So after the Burnley game where we got beat at home, after being 2-0 up at half-time, we got beat 4-2. 
we've played 14 games and we've got 25 points out of those 14 games. That's seven wins, four draws and three defeats. And over the course of the season, that's 82 points, which is guaranteed playoff spot. So we are in playoff form. Yeah. And over a long period, it's not over three or four games, it's over a quarter of a season, more than a quarter of a season. So we are banging playoff form over the third of a season in the 14 games, pretty yeah. much a third of a season. So like, who who knows where we get to, but it's yeah. it's going to be an exciting ride. Yeah, well, you, Mowbray is absolutely fearless. The players are absolutely fearless. We're just all out attack at the minute. I mean, I'm looking at the, the, the team written down in front of us at the minute. And you look, you know, 09's primarily attacking, I think, when he plays midfield. He does get the ball forward. Pritchard the same, Barr the same, Roberts the same, Gelhart, Clark. Even look at Elise playing practically like centre forward at times. Trey Hume, from an attacking perspective, put some great balls forward. Like, it's it's just pure attack, isn't it? Like, everything, and, and that's our approach to it. He's looking and went, we've got these players who are so good at attacking, let's make the most of it. And I, I, I just love how fearless we are. It doesn't matter who we play, we'll try and beat them. We we never go into a game and think, ooh, I think we should just try and play for a point today. Yeah. You mentioned it there. That was that was sort of the thinking when Alex Neal was manager, and it worked. It got us promoted. You know, managing games, maybe more cl- probably clever, more cleverly. I would say. I'm not saying that I, I yeah. actually think the way we are doing things at the minute, with just throwing caution to the wind. Even sort of at the weekend against Redden, um, he made as as many attacking subs as he could to to try and get the the win, and. Yeah. Um, I love that. I absolutely love that. It makes games exciting to watch. It makes it just a a great time to be a fan, and uh, I I love it. And y- y- I think you're right about Mowbray. He's the perfect manager for the moment, and um, he's proved a lot of people wrong, and maybe surprised a lot of people as well. Because I don't think people. I think you hear him talk, and you just look at him. You think he's like an old guy with a bit of a droney voice and this that and the other. But he's his philosophy on football is outstanding. He just loves working with young players and. You can see it all meshing now. And I said it earlier on the show, you know, we're going places. We're, you can see it all clicking. There's a lot of positive momentum at the minute. And um, that sort of leads us nicely into the game at the weekend because we're playing a team who are in good form. It's going to be a good game. And it's if we don't be a hard win, game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a hard game. game. Um, and if we don't win, we can't be too disheartened because I think some of the results recently have been outstanding. So we kind of just have to hope we carry it on. Um, I think you're going to see nothing less than a committed performance from these players. And yeah, we'll see how it goes from here. But I just hope we're sat here again after the weekend talking about uh, another win. There's certainly no reason why we can't beat them. You know, we are absolutely fearless. No, look, there's no reason why we can't beat them. I think we were better suited at the minute to play away from home than at home. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's obviously an onus on us to break teams down at, at home that we, we sometimes find a little bit challenging. And look... We've got how many, how many games left? Fourteen games left, or something like that. Fifteen, I it's think. Fifteen yeah. games left. Who, who, like, who knows what happens? But even we might pick up three or four, or five more wins this season. And even if we picked up five more wins this season, it would still be a bloody good season. Like, because we're heading in the right direction. There's so much potential there. And we, we are going to lose some games. We're going to draw some games. We're going to turn into a couple of disappointing performances. And that's completely normal and natural because of the the level that the squad are at in terms of experience and consistency and fatigue and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But we're absolutely heading in the right direction. When you see the, you know, the spells of performance that we had last night, you see the performance we turned into Fulham. Like 
once you know a bit more experience. And Tony Mowbray was talking about it um, after the match. I think last night he was talking about like the likes of Mishu and you seeing you know Jewison Bennett being lucky not to have a a run out, but he'll come into the side relatively soon. Um, Lahadji will come into the side soon, and you know he can't speak any English. And he was saying you know by the summer, all of these lads who've been with us all year, they'll be able to speak English. They'll know what we're doing, they'll be well sort of drilled in our style of play and watch them go then because yeah, they'll they'll be ready to hit the ground running and like to be fair to them, they've come into a side you know, you had the four lads sign on deadline day who've sort of adapted into a new country, a new area to live, a new language, a new style of football, a new football club and you're getting performances like that from some of them Yeah, it, it's frightening how good it could be if it all clicks yeah yeah, well, like I say, I could sit here for another three, four, five, six hours just talking about us. I wish I could, um, but yeah, we can't. Um, so sorry, everyone, by the way, who sent us questions. We had tons on Twitter after the game last night. Questions for this pod. I've, I've managed to ask maybe two of them. Um, on, let's let's do we, five, five quick fire questions. Come on. Come on, then. Why not? Stephen Stubbs, where do we finish in the Prem next season? Top. Fifth, a fifth, fifth. That's one we we seem to like at the minute. Gavin Butler asks, "Why are some fans never happy?" We'll not we'll not end on a negative, Gavin. But I I, I think just people are naturally pessimistic, aren't they, Martin? There's, uh, you know, there's always going to be people who don't like certain things about the team or certain players or whatever. Oh, look, I think I think some people are naturally pessimistic, and that's their their right to be so. I think people have been, have been burned by Sunderland before, and you know, we're always a little bit cautious about about things, and I think people always 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 react to a, a result yeah and whether like whether we're reacting really positively after that after last night's result or people get really pissed off after a defeat and you know that that immediate reaction isn't always in proportion to the grand scheme of things but people naturally yeah. get pissed off if you get beat and we're on a high if, if we win and i think you know as long as it's balanced over the course of a week it's kind of all right Johnny Sherbin asks, who do you love the least out of all the lads? Reasons required. Ooh, a bit nasty. Ooh. I love them all equally, Johnny. Can't I can't I can't say I don't like love any of them. You caught us on the hop, yeah. I can't I can't be nasty about any of these players. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um uh, Michael Bowers asks, do the lads think part of the reason we're doing so well is because there's a lack of pressure attached to the season now? Um, it's interesting, right? Because I I would have said yes before yesterday but I listened to Jack Clark's interview after the game and he, he said something along the lines of you know we we want to keep up the um the good performances keep getting wins so we, we can achieve what we set out to achieve at the start of the season which to me was him saying we're aiming for the playoffs so there might be a perception of a lack of pressure outside the squad but I think they're probably putting some some of their own pressure on themselves in terms of what they expect collectively to achieve. And I think they've got the, the sights set up there. Yeah. Um, and we'll end on this one then because it segues nicely. At Muncaster, Gary asks, are we ready for promotion? Oh, look. Is, yes, is any team we ever... are. I'll, I'm well, putting in there. Yes, come on, bring it on. <laughs> well, is I would say, is any team ever ready for promotion? And no. probably not. So you, you take happens, it when it comes. It? You, you obviously strengthen where you, you can to do it. But I, I would say that these players, as I said at the top of the, the programme, our attack will give any team in the country problems. 
Yeah. And we've got the best defence in the championship, in my opinion. So are we ready for the Premier League? I wouldn't turn it down. Now, no. I'd, well, I'd be quite fancying us. Do you know what it is? I, for me, the championship, we were, we were told it's a difficult league, and it is, but it isn't as difficult as we were told. And I think in a lot of cases, there are a lot of poor teams in this division with bloated squads, average players, agent players on big money, a lot of clubs who lack ambition, maybe with owners who lack ambition. And outside of the clubs who've got the the parachute money from the Premier League, it's much of a muchness. That's why, you know, you've got clubs like Borough and West Brom who've had terrible seasons, changed their manager and they've just floated up the division because it's actually not as difficult as some might think. And we've taken to it like a duck to water and I think it's because we're very different. We play football differently to a lot of these teams. We've got a young side and and we and we don't fear anything. So, and Martin's right, you're never really ready for promotion. I don't think there's a, you, you can't pick and choose when you're going to get promoted. I know a lot of fans would say, well, we're not ready quite yet. We need a couple more years at this level. You don't get that choice. You know, it just happens when it happens. Um, and I think, you know, with this team, there's no reason why we can't be at Wembley in, in May or whenever it is, because outside of that top two, look at the table. It, it, there's nothing between most of the hey, league. Do you know what it is as well with um, like comparing the championship to League One? I actually think away games in the championship for us are probably easier in some respects than League One because you know we were going to League One clubs. We were selling bloody mugs and scarves celebrating the fact that we were playing. Yeah. We were yeah, selling yeah. out the crowds, the biggest crowd they've had for 50 years. And it's I, I know it's a cliche thing. You sound like a bit of a twat, but it was it was their cup fi- it was cup finals every other week yeah, yeah. facing. Mm-hmm. And then you come get them coming up the stadium light, biggest game they'll play in their careers probably. And you know, it's League One for us was really, really difficult because of the size of club that we are. And that's not you know, it's not being big headed, it's just it's, it's a fact of of our standing in, in football and the ground that we have and everything and the, the fans that we have. Yeah. It was the biggest day out every pretty much every team that we faced, apart from the likes of Chef Wed and, and clubs like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you go in the championships, it's a, it's a level playing field every week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's actually a different proposition for us. And we can go away and teams will, you know, if we were going away in, in League One, teams were defensive against us, trying to kick the shit out of us. And we can go away to clubs in the championship, they'll try to attack us, they leave space for us. And it's a proper football match. And I think with the players that we have now, obviously we've got a far better squad than we had last season. But the players that we've got now, we, we can take teams apart. I would just say embrace the madness, you know. This is Sunderland. We never have a boring season. It's either <laughs> spectacularly good or spectacularly bad. We all know this. This has been the theme of most of our lives. We were, we're either bottom of the league or, or fighting up the top end. Um, I said this back in September, October time to people. I said, get your Wembley hotels booked because I'm telling you now it's going to be mad this season. We'll be there, I'm telling you, and I'm sticking by that. And I know I'm like the happiest of clappers, um, and I'm probably still a little bit drunk in love of uh, from from the game. But I, I think we can do it, and I hope we do it. I want another trip to Wembley. I want to enjoy myself being a fan. That's why you support a football team to be relentlessly positive about everything and love everything about it, and enjoy the football and enjoy the wins and enjoy the goals. So. Are we ready for promotion, Gary? Uh, yes, I think we are, because I'm always ready. And if we finish <laughs> bottom of the Premier League next season, then uh, then that would surprise nobody either. But let's just 
live in the moment. And I think at the minute, the way that the momentum seems to be going, I can't see anything other than a strong finish to the season. And if that ends up with us in the playoffs, then brilliant. But if it doesn't, like Martin said before, we still had a cracking season. Anyways, Martin, we went well over our allotted time, yeah? We have, but there's lots to talk about. It's all good stuff, so... But yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for joining us, as always. Thank you, have. Cheers to the listeners. Sorry if we didn't answer your question. Sorry we didn't get through the three-word reviews. Uh, we will try to be better in the future, I promise. And uh, make sure you catch us on roteReport.espionation.com before and after Saturday's game. We might even have a, a nice little preview pod for you. I don't know yet. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Well, I'm a golden idol, no. Well, I'm a hidden I'm searching all and always I am on my way. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.